This is the Two Point Conversation. Now with your hosts, Chris and Hector. Welcome to another edition of this Two Point Conversation podcast. Along with my chum Hector, I'm Chris. Hey, Chris. Hello, folks. How you doing? It's all good in the neighborhood. <laughs> chilling, chilling, I see. Getting the bad joke out of the way. <laughs> Anyways, um, we are the fortunate recipients of terrific timing. Indeed. Because we're going to, in this first segment, we're going to talk the Facebook scandal. And just hours before we went to recording our show, Mark Zuckerberg finally gave his statement. But before we get to his words, what are your thoughts after reading up on this whole debacle going on? Well, Mark Zuckerberg, he better lawyer up because this is going to get, well, this is already messy, but it's going to get worse. As more information keeps uh, coming into into the light, it's going to look worse and worse for Facebook and for the founder. You almost quoted Andrew Garfield in the social network, fittingly, yes. a movie about Facebook. You better lawyer up. Because I'm coming for it all. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, he's in a in a heap of trouble. But I will give him at least credit for give for doing the post and giving some attempt into damage control. This is a very serious situation. If you've not read up on what's going on with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica, just Google that. Google Cambridge Analytica. And Facebook and you'll find what's going on in a nutshell they have breached the personal archived information of over 50 million users 50 million that's and right. it was by that Cambridge Analytica which was hired to influence the US elections in 2016 and of course the company was hired by the Trump campaign yeah and you know, this came out, you know, the, the, they, they came to Facebook in 2013, and at least the company was made to be in 2013, and they reached an agreement with Facebook in the creation of third-party apps, um, supposedly, you know, personality, a personality test, if you will, and amassing that, that type of information. Mm-hmm. You know, for 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 Facebook algorithms. Now, this this really comes out of nowhere when a former employee of of uh, Cambridge Analytica ex basically exposing the intentions mm -hmm. that using this information to persuade or basically change the tide of the presidential elections in 2016. And this is this is crazy, man. This is tampering. This is also all sorts of federal crimes. It's a, it's a privacy violation. Yeah, it's a human. It's it's a human life thing. It's a quality of life breach, and it's terrible. And that kind of puts into perspective what we always say about Facebook: be careful what you post on Facebook. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this this right here. This situation. It's a wake-up call to people. You can't disclose everything. You can't disclose 
everything about your life, everything about your daily life on social media. The counter argument to that is, of course, that's what social media is it's for. for. Right? That's true. That, it's true. I mean, you, you have family that live a long distance and you have that's the best that's one of the best ways to communicate with them to right. keep in touch but at the same time you know you can do it via you know private messaging right I mean there, there are other methods and you know I, I understand that people like to be interactive you want to be social mm-hmm. ergo social media duh duh exactly but you gotta you gotta know where when to draw the the line in the sand mm-hmm. when it comes to exposing yourself. Right. We're talking about 50 million profiles. The lives of 50 million people and counting. That's a lot. That's that's absurd. That is that is too much. That is too much to bear. And yes, uh, the explanation that Zuckerberg gave us in his Facebook um, post is sort of calming but obviously we need to he we need to hear more from him we need to see him fighting for this i mean if if he feels as strongly as he does we have to see him doing more and on the heels of all this there's this whole campaign and Mm -hmm. not just and not just people on other social media uh suggesting to delete the facebook's you see media making articles Telling people to delete their Facebook and how to do it. Yeah, like I saw, I saw an article say how to delete your Facebook for good because people are doing it, and there's the hashtag on Twitter, delete Facebook, and a lot of people are just in. And I saw another post of a person basically giving you the instructions to go to your account settings and eliminate all those third-party apps that you have signed in with Facebook. Is this critical? It's a very critical situation. That's at least one of the things that Zuckerberg said that he would do. He would make it – he would make like a – he's going to do some sort of a tab where he's going to let us address that mm-hmm. for each individual um, pay, uh, profile. And interesting enough, Mark Zuckerberg is actually going to have a interview on CNN. He is going to address the situation in national television. People need to see him. They need Definitely. to see his face. They need to see because Facebook, you know, for better or for worse, is the most powerful social media on the planet mm-hmm. since its inception. That's true. You know, you don't you don't see many social medias, you know, motivating a movie. That's true. <laughs> That's uh, very true. And, and people live live there. People live on their Facebooks all day, uh, checking out the right the 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 statement. Basically, he gave the full explanation of what happened, and he ended it with, I started Facebook, I'm quoting, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, I'm responsible for what happens on our platform. I'm serious about doing what it takes to protect our community, while this specific issue involving Cambridge Analytica should no longer happen with new apps today, that doesn't change what happened in the past. We will learn from this experience to secure our platform further and make our community safer for the everyone going forward. So that's basically... Um, his his statements. His yeah. statement. Uh, he gave the explanation, his explanation, his side of the story, and then he gave that explanation. So uh, people need to see him more of him. He he turned out a little bit later, but I I I, I kind of give him props for that because he didn't just 
knee-jerk reacted about what happened. He he probably took his time to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And when the time is right, I'll go out and make a statement. Yeah, he, he needed to gather all the information. He had to do his research and formulate a plan to how to tackle the situation. And back to what people do in their own profiles is their own business. Agreed. But there's just things you shouldn't do. Like, I see too many, too many people putting everything mm -hmm. about their lives i know i know this girl i don't know her but i've seen <laughs> I, i've seen different different people yeah. doing things I, i saw this woman put pictures of her children every day but in the most embarrassing things like in the hospital in the bed with the oxygen mask on and oh. everything. i've seen that oh. like, and and i and i and i and i've talked about this to people and i say well What is this generation of children going to do when they're grown up? Because our generation is embarrassed by photo albums <laughs> and baby pictures, right? That's true. So those kids are gonna have the are gonna get to their teen years with the whole internet seeing their baby pictures, their embarrassing baby pictures. Oh look, mom. So so that was me with the gas mask. Great. Yeah, I mean it's uh. it's terrible. People have to stop putting everything. In, in, you know, if you want to put pictures of the road trip you took, if you want to That's do fine. that, but you see people putting every day when they're waking up in their bed, when they're in the huh. bathroom, when they're eating, it's just absolutely flagrant. Yeah, yeah, and also you gotta be careful when when you put the the location. You you gotta be careful with that because that's how they track you out. Yeah, people can't completely put trust. In others on the internet. That's true. You put the location, and anybody who wants to hurt somebody or hurt you, mm -hmm. they know where to find you. They know where to find your family. I hate to sound ominous, but but it's true. That's it's just true. the lesson we're learning. So that's enough Facebook for this uh, moment. We'll return after a quick break here on the Two Point Conversation. On Twitter a few days back and I posted a question it's an interesting question because I got to thinking that during the NCAA tournament mm -hmm. there is a lot of Twitter activity and people are hyped up so that got me thinking what in the pre-social media era now that we're in the topic of social media yeah <laughs> which moment would have broken Twitter I thought so. I got a couple of answers. Let me read a couple. Yeah, of sure. Those. Go ahead. I'm gonna. I saw the first answer I got was from one of my followers, Shauna WTF. Love that. Love that <laughs> handle. <laughs> Shout out to Shauna. Iverson stepping over Lou. Oh. That would be game one of the 2001 finals. I remember that because Tyron Lou, now the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he did his hair. 
exactly like Iverson, Iverson because he wanted to shadow him. And he said that he was going to be all over him all game long. <laughs> I remember that. And, and he was. For, for he, he served his purpose in the first half and a little bit in the second half. But I don't know how much over him he was. Iverson scored 45 on that. And then he, he did that crossover and then the jump shot. And then when he fell down, he stepped right over him. And that was awesome. Oh, uh. I remember that. <laughs> Let me read you quick some of the other mm-hmm. answers. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, uh, another one of my followers, Gele31. Shout out to her. 2004 Red Sox-Yankees games 4, 5, 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. That, I, <laughs> hey, I agree with that one. That would have broken. When, when, or when David Ortiz hit the walk-off. Yeah, and then he hit the walk off again, and then to your the, dismay, of course. Yeah, and then <laughs> the shilling bloody sock. That can you imagine the memes they would have done? Oh, with that? you better believe it. And then the the massive butt kicking in Game Seven. Mm. I mean that, and and in that same game when the crowd went, "Who's your daddy?" to Pedro Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. See, those are moments. Somebody, somebody here also wrote. Randy Johnson's fastball on March 24th, 2001. As we all know, that fastball struck a bird. A bird? Oh, yeah. It exploded. <laughs> the gift. I mean, that uh, gift exists, but you can imagine. In that moment. In that moment. Ooh. That would have gone viral. Well, I, I, I want to add another one. Yes, add one, please. At this current at this current time, imagine the Bill Buckner folly. Oh, in the World, World Series, Series in 1986. That would have been... He w- Man, they would have broken him on social media. More than... And here's the thing. Even without social media, they broke him. They broke him. Can you imagine <laughs> if social media existed? Ooh. Social media, for better or for worse, gives a license for people to be, let's say, straight up mean. Trolls. Trolls, right? Trolls. And... It, it, it's like the fan that likes to heckle at, mm-hmm. at a ball game. Yeah. They think that because they paid a ticket, they can act like an idiot. Oh. Then, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of the effect it has. Somebody here uh, wrote to me, mm-hmm. El Papa Upa PR. Uh, those handles are genius. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is the malice at the palace. Oh, no. The no. Ron Artest, Ooh. Ben Wallace shoving match that ended up in the stands with Steven Jackson. Jesus Christ. I, like I tell you, Steven Jackson, I, could, I can't, I'll never forget, Steven Jackson went in there and threw some roundhouse bombs. At the, and my first thought was, I was afraid for the poor guy. You know, the puny guy with yeah. the glasses. <laughs> I thought Artest was going to kill him. Well, the dude that threw him beer, he just went berserk. He <laughs> he just swam through the people. Boom! You know, oh, damn. That that will never be forgotten. That will be 14 years old in November. Oh. 14 mm. years. Can mm. you believe that? Everybody who's a sports fan remembers where they were. Imagine if there was Twitter back then. I agree. So, um, uh, mm. one of our, our good friend, Miguel Hidalgo, at MiguelHR22. Shout out to our boy. Ah, the great fan interaction. Yes. You gotta love him. <laughs> the Michael Jordan game winner in 1998 against Utah, the finals. Ah, that the... would have been Oof. very tweeted about. Another case of breaking the internet, for sure. That would have been one. Um, 
Felix Trinidad versus Oscar de la Hoya. Oh, the, the, the going on circles? <laughs> yeah, that one. That was dubbed the fight of the century. Mm-hmm. And it was as big an event in boxing as I've ever seen. Two undefeated fighters at their prime in in their youth, pretty much, because pretty they, much, were, yeah. they were like in their mid-twenties for that. And it, everybody who was anybody was there or saw it. Well, so, another case in, in boxing. When Buster Douglas beat Iron Mike Tyson. Can you imagine mm. the, the, just how Twitter would have timed out? Skip. 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 <laughs> Why are you doing the imitation of Shannon Sharp? Because it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> there are so many moments that would have done so great on Twitter. Like, for example, um, you know, the, 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 the first Patriots Super Bowl when Vinatieri beat oh, the yes. Rams. That would have been a, a, a big w- deal because it was – people forget that is one of the biggest upsets in NFL history. True. Now – What's happened since then has been the dominance of the Patriots, but that was an upset because they were facing the Rams, who were just this juggernaut. The so great, that would have been yeah, the something. greatest show on turf. What about Michael Jordan's first return to the NBA? Oh, get like and, and no, no, that that was like basically the and in fact, sorry, the second coming of Jesus, basically. <laughs> hey. A few days back was the 23rd anniversary, how fitting, 23rd, 23, anniversary of when he decided to come back. It was it was a press release. It mm-hmm. said two words. I'm, I'm back. back. And the first game, it was against the Pacers. After he beat the Monstars. <laughs> That was before, Hector. That was before. Never mind, never mind. I know. That was during the offseason. season. <laughs> No, I think it was two off-seasons later. Anyways, but I bet that would have been a big deal in social media had social media been around. And when he retired, mm. when he retired, how about the times the Lakers and the Celtics faced in the finals, the unfortunate magic announcement? That would have been uh, a, a big deal in social yeah. media. There's just so many sports moments. And we're just talking around the realms of – Technology, because it'll be easy to say, well, if there was technology when Wilt scored 100, mm-hmm. then okay, fine. But I'm talking about in the technology and information age, like some of those things that would have. What about when the Pistons beat the Lakers? They took down that ooh, great Lakers team that should have been. One of, one of my favorite moments mm-hmm. in, in 2004. At that time, I was a Pistons fan. P- Piston fan. Um, I wasn't a bandwagon. I just love Ben Wallace. Um, I never forget, if I am not mistaken, it was the Easter Conference Finals when Tayshon Prince goes chasing um, Reggie Miller. I believe. He, I think it was actually the second round. Of second the round because they faced. No, that was no. Excuse me, you're right. Easter Conference. All right. Thinking of 2005 when it was Miami. When Ch- you know, Tayshon Prince. Down block. Oh. That would have been like 
the, the consecutive tweets. What a block! Dijon <laughs> Prince! Reggie Millersham dunked it! Rejected! Rejected! <laughs> that that would have been amazing. And, and there's so many moments. The Aaron Boone home run mm. against Boston 2003. Barry Bonds when he broke the single season record. There was social media when he broke the all-time record. But in 2001 when he hit the 71st home run, that would have been a big deal. When Maguire and Sosa were doing the home run chase. Oh, uh, I can imagine social media full force doing the Steve Bartman. Oh! All right, I think we're going to end that with this because this is there's a full documentary about that Eesh. on ESPN Oof. that I've seen that is just eerie to, to watch, to reminisce. I was watching that game. Can you imagine all the people doing all the jokes and all the, the Cubs fans? The memes. Oof. The, the Cubs fans, they would say, I mean, they, they said it. They said it, yeah. You know, somebody find Bartman and kill him. Oof. Something like that. Not all Cubs fans, just just a, a damaged few, if you will. But can you imagine social media with Steve Bartman? I wouldn't. I wouldn't imagine the memes. Oh. We need. We need a. We need another full segment on this, but <laughs> that would be a topic for another day. Let's take a quick break here on the Two Point Conversation. To the two-point conversation. Chris, let's talk about Trent Reznor. What's the first thing that comes to your head when you hear the name Trent Reznor? Well, naturally, Nine Inch Nails. Okay. That's the name. That's one of the things that comes to mind. Also, another thing that comes to mind is you can argue he is the godfather of industrial rock. All right. All right. And... That's basically it. It's <laughs> 90s industrial rock at its finest. Of course, he's still active, still putting out great music. Great music, yeah. He's been on. He's been synonymous with, you know, 90s industrial rock for over 30 years, almost over 30 years, of course. So he's a legend, I think. Yeah, he's uh He definitely his body of work speaks for itself. He Whenever it happens, a surefire Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, if they ever have him. Surefire, but they've taken quite a while to put him in. Well, why why do why do you think he isn't a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer as of yet? Well, because he he's he has he, been he, critical he, of yeah, the music of industry. the music industry. He he is a very He's very critical. He's a, he has a controversial figure, although he has contributed a lot to the right. very same industry. Right. But there are practices that he then he doesn't agree with, and 
he is happy blasting them, blasting them. Right. And, and that's Trent for you in a nutshell. He's outspoken, and he's not wrong most of the time. Mm-hmm. In his opinions of the music industry, he's not terribly wrong. He's not really wrong, actually. But what he's done is, you know, he's distinguished himself. Yes. He's separated himself from the pack in the 90s when it was a lot of grunge, a lot of post-grunge, then the the pop and all that came into play. And, alter- he, and the alternative rock, too. And alternative rock. He kind of separated himself from mm-hmm. all that, not not just in as an artist, but in, in the style of the music that Nine Inch Nails. The Downward Spiral is... It's a masterpiece. That's in our personal opinion, it's a masterpiece. That that's the crowning jewel, I think. Yeah, and you know, you you see you see his um his work, incredibly so. From downward spiral, in it brought one of the biggest covers, one of the greatest covers of all time, if not the greatest. If not the greatest, exactly. Courtesy of one Johnny Cash, who covered the song "Hurt." Which is the last track from Downward Spiral. Right. <laughs> and it's amazing that that version was a bigger hit than the, than the original. And Trent Reznor went on to say that is his song. Yeah. And he, he made it a song. Which is a class thing to say, a classy thing of to course. say. Of course. Uh-huh. But that, that, that's just the beauty of the whole thing. And, you know... Hurt is obviously more known because of Johnny Cash, Cash. but the original track in itself is absolutely awesome. So, so he's he's done all this work as a musician, as an independent artist. Mm -hmm. He's also a a founder and a member of How to Destroy Angels with his wife, Mary Queen Mandic Resner. Yeah, and also with a collaboration with. who is now on board with Nine Inch Nails and Atticus Ross. Oh, and that, that, that pair is a winning pair. Definitely. And also with contributions from the graphic artist and also a longtime collaborator in Rob Sheridan. Right. But, yeah, you know, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. Like you said, what a duo. Who Actually, they went from making, you know, Strong music to movie composition, movie scores. That's and crazy. That that is all. I, I don't know. You can say that is an another career within his career. I agree. And he's put together a pretty solid musical movie score discography. Look, you know he scored. You know when he was like the main musical score. Him and Atticus Ross. A Golden Globe for Best Original Score for The Social Network. Well, it actually won the Oscar, right? No. It, uh, yeah. Yes. The, yeah. And Golden also won Globe the Oscar. And the, it yeah. also won the Oscar. Exactly. Right. Right. Golden Globe and an Academy Award. They won also the Grammy. They won a Grammy for the Best, uh, best Score Soundtrack in Visual Media. And... It's for fine. the girl with the dragon the tattoo. Girl. Exactly. Right. And that, that's crazy, man. And they put out 
Gone Girl, which is one of your favorite soundtracks. It's my go-to relaxation music. True. And Gone Girl is one of my favorite all-time movies, so the score helps. But it, it's another aspect of the career of his career. It's like I said, it's a, a second career within his still in progress career as a musician, and it, the styles that he uses in his film scores are just amazing. And the Social Network is the perfect blend of the type of film scores that mm-hmm. he does, the style, but still you can hear a little bit of his. Nine Inch Nails ish influence, yeah. Influence, you could see it. You're almost on some of those tracks in the social network. You're almost waiting for him to start singing. <laughs> yes, I agree. And you know, it's kind of it's interesting how this happened when he went independent in 2007 onward. When he released uh, Ghost, uh, one one four one two four. And then he released um, The Slip in 2009. Right. Then afterwards, he signed another record label. 2013, he released The Hesitation Marks. was actually like one of his better work in a long time. Mm-hmm. People were very critical that, when, you know, with Year Zero, with, with Teeth... People were saying, like, man, he slowed down. Like, hmm. he, he, he really softened up. Like, he doesn't have, like, the same bite. And it's like, man, the dude's got to evolve. Mm-hmm. The dude has let off. He put off his addictions, his anger. He's, he's no longer an angry man. When he, when he made Pretty Hate Machine, when he made The Fragile, when he made The Downward Spiral. Right. He's not the same man that he was. And what I've always heard about him from people... You know, in interviews and stuff like that, people close to him always say that he's likable. He everybody, he's a pleasant man. Mm-hmm. Most of what he does on stage, which he he has cited that he's been influenced by uh, Alice Cooper and others, he's influenced by David Bowie. That it's mostly an act, but he doesn't actually fake it because I I, I read a quote somewhere about him that said that he's reaching. Deep inside to get some of that out. Yeah. So, and, and of course, we have to do this if we're talking about trend. We have to shout out to our buddy Laz, who's very likely listening. And he is the biggest Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails fan. That, that we, we know. know. So, yeah, definitely. So, shout out to our buddy, if you're listening. Hope you're enjoying us talking about Trent. And hopefully, we haven't dropped the ball <laughs> and said something stupid. <laughs> you know, and, and speaking of the of the live shows, right? That there, there, there's a, this aura of mysteriousness, yet it's very enthralling when you see him perform, when you see Nine Chanel's perform. The light works. That is beautiful. It's very haunting, mm-hmm. captivating. There are many ag- ag- adjectives you can give Trent Reznor as a performer. As a musician, as a music, as a movie composer, it, it it's it's amazing, and I, I he he's not gonna stop. He'll be inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at some at point. at some point. He definitely. he is too important to the contributions of industrial rock, mm-hmm. of the type of music that he's put out, the contributions in film. He's too important. 
we forgot to mention Patriots Day. He did the score. For oh that yes, one too. yes, Patriots Day. And and um, he's too important, and I think he will eventually be inducted and have his rightful place on the pantheon of great rockers. Yeah, definitely. Well, folks, um, we're out of time. That's right. For Hector the Shaman and my buddy Chris, thank you for joining us. Until next You're week. You're Hector the Shaman. Hector, I, I am Hector the Shaman. Oh, you're referring to yourself of as a person. Of course. You and your <laughs> swagger. I know. Well, thank you for joining us, folks. And I'll see. we'll see you next week on the Two Point Conversation.